welcome to Misunderstood, a podcast dedicated to better understanding MS and learning to live well with MS. I'm your host, Katie Sloan. Our usual reminders as we begin. I am not an expert. I'm just a person like you living with MS and trying to make the best of it. Misunderstood is based on my personal experience, what I've learned from my doctors, other care providers, and my own solutions-oriented research and pattern-finding obsession. While the majority of the information I share has been vetted by doctors, I am not a doctor. My intention is that you use the information shared here as a springboard for discussion between you and your doctor regarding your future care options. And lastly, MS impacts each of us uniquely. I hope to shine a light on a wide range of approaches and strategies for living better with MS. But what you choose to do with that information is always your choice. And what works for one may not work for all. In our previous episode, we chatted with Dr. Susan Peyrovi about the negative impact that clutter has on our health and our planet. We're currently two weeks into our six-week Instagram Live event to work together with folks from the MS community to reduce clutter and purchase only essentials for the month of May. For more information, check out episode 73 and consider joining us next Monday live on Instagram. Today, we're going to talk about a related topic, simplification as a tool for wellness. For our gratitude today, I'd like to express my deep love and appreciation for my angelic pup, Ivy, on the anniversary of her birth. While she's sadly no longer beside me, I hear the pitter-patter of her paws on my heartstrings daily. To learn more about Ivy and how I finally learned to process grief with her passing, check out episode 8, The Importance of Processing Loss. If you've ever been truly loved by a dog, you know just how magical it is. They love deeply, unconditionally, without restraint. They help show you all the good parts of yourself and still love you for all the ways you fall short. Oh, to be the person your dog believes you are. While I miss Ivy every day, I try to honor her every day too. I wear a bracelet that says, live like Ivy, to remind me of what's truly important in life. To Ivy, this meant the following. Greet each day with a smile. Never be shy in showing your love. Always stop to smell the roses. Eat strawberries and cheese, lots of cheese, and bacon. Make friends. Be generous. Work hard. Play hard. Take great joy in the little things. Spend as much time as possible outdoors. Eat to live. Don't live to eat. The most precious things in life are not things. Time spent together is time well spent. Play in the dirt and in the sand. Who you travel with through life together matters. It's okay not to eat something that someone gives you, even if they really want you to eat it. Try new things. It's okay to spill when you drink from time to time. Watch the sunset together. Snuggle. It's okay to let someone know you're angry. You're never too big or too old to sit on someone's lap. Whatever is bothering you, shake it off and let it go. Walk proudly and strut your stuff. Stretch. 
Toys are fun, but the best part of toys is who you play with them with. Smile for the photos because you're genuinely happy. Live life to the fullest, knowing that our time together is our most precious commodity. And when it's time to say goodbye, focus on the plethora of precious memories made together rather than the painful goodbye. Today, Ivy, on what would have been your 16th birthday, remember how much we love you. You live on forever in our hearts. We still see and feel your Ivy essence every day in our home, in the garden, at the beach, in the rearview mirror, eagerly looking out the truck's window on road trips. See you tonight as we watch your birthday sunset together. Sing your favorite songs and express our gratitude for all the joy you continue to bring to our lives. Whew. As you might be able to tell, this is still difficult for me. Yet, in many ways, losing Ivy a few years ago is what got me started living a more simple life. In the years since, I get closer and closer to honing in on what matters most to me and letting go of everything else. Today, we're going to look at nine ways that simplifying our lives can actually help us live well with MS and enjoy our lives more fully. This year, with my yearly intention, I've embraced this concept more than ever before. In 2023, my intention is to let time go lightly and fine-tune my song. I won't go into all that this means for me today, but I will share a few relevant pieces as potential pathways for you to consider as you explore the ways you might likewise want to simplify your life. Number one, starting with the literal, let time go lightly. What does this mean? There's a song I grew up with called Let Time Go Lightly by Harry Chapin. I love the lyrics because to me, they remind me of what's truly important. I let time go lightly when I'm here with you. I let time go lightly when the day is through. I keep a watch on time when I've got work to do, but I let time go lightly with you. As someone who is a recovering hyperachiever, who placed a lot of my personal value on what I was able to produce, I'm slowly learning that while work and doing good things in life is important, it's critical to our wellness to balance the importance of what we do with the value of simply who we are as people. So, I let time go lightly now when I'm spending time with people I love and doing things that bring me joy. I continue to work hard, but I do keep a watch on time when I've got work to do. And at 5 p.m. or soon thereafter, I've learned to shut it down and devote my evenings to family and fun. Balance isn't a static place. It's achieved by ensuring we're appreciating the highs and the lows, the busy and the resting, and the happiness and the hardship. A tool that has really helped me to break free from being a workaholic and overly focused on work is the Positive Intelligence, or PQ, program. It helped me realize the origin of my need to achieve, to please, to work beyond exhaustion, and to ensure physical and emotional safety. Do you have voices in your mind that say nasty things to you or tell you that you should do things that you really don't want to do? 
If learning how to change these negative neurological thought pathways is something you'd like to explore, fill out the PQ interest survey on our Patreon page. As I'm filling future cohorts now and want to make this program accessible to everyone in our shared community who would find it helpful this calendar year. Number two, fine-tuning my song. Fine-tuning my song is all about simplification in the ways that matter most to me. Narrowing my riverbeds, so to speak. Letting go of extraneous things, people, and self-imposed responsibilities and burdens that actually aren't mine to carry. It's about individuation and personal intuition. Energetic resonance with my own unique tuning fork and learning to move to the beat of my own inner drum cadence. It's living as the sole composer of my song, knowing that I truly hold the pen to each chapter I write or verse I sing. It's also about leaning into my intuition, finally honoring the inner knowing that has been there all along that I used to ignore or let the desires or voices of others overpower and silence. One gift I'm currently giving myself that is really helping me hone these skills this year is a course I'm taking with a physician named Dr. Judith Orloff called Awakening Intuitive Healing Powers. This course is helping me to truly own and honor my intuition and to better listen to the guidance within regardless the volume and intensity of the external voices around me or the saboteur voices in my own mind that try to limit my self-belief. This course is also helping me to better learn to protect my light from those who tend to be more of a drain than a fountain. If you want to learn more about fountains and drains and how to identify these folks in your life, check out episode five, Are You a Fountain or a Drain? Learning to put my own oxygen mask on first. As a highly empathetic person, a Myers-Briggs INFJ, and someone who historically has done a much better job helping others than myself, This shift has been slow yet powerful. I'm learning to be okay with not being liked or understood by everyone. I'm learning to love my own light and how to use discernment to connect more deeply with others who love my light and who live with similar light themselves inside. So what is your song? What's the beat, the rhythm? How can this knowledge of tuning into your song help you live a life of more personal resonance? Number three, let it go. In learning what truly is me, I'm learning to let go of what is not or no longer is truly me. This is a huge reason why I'm all about clearing this year. This includes clearing actual stuff as well as a digital cleanse and cleaning other areas of my life. It's using discernment to sort my emails and unsubscribe so that I get fewer emails to begin with. It's reading the news instead of watching it because watching it can be triggering for me as someone who feels emotions intensely. I'm getting better at understanding and accepting that walking through life truly honoring who I am looks different. It's not watching violent or intense media late at night after I've taken my cannabis edibles and I'm focusing on relaxation and readiness for a night of restorative sleep. I'm also not engaging as deeply in some relationships and also letting go of taking care of other people's problems and rather choosing to honor their ability to solve their problems themselves. 
I recently leaned into getting more help from a new psychiatrist to help release in me the sense of over-responsibility that I feel. The release is palpable, and I definitely want more of it, as each release helps me lighten the load I'm carrying. I have a great new poster in my office that says, don't trip over what's behind you, as a reminder to simply let that shit go. So, what might be ripe for letting go of in your life? What has overstayed its welcome? What is lingering from an earlier chapter of life that you are ready to release and move on from? Number four, pay attention to and read closely to signposts along the way, even the unexpected ones. When something unexpected comes into our lives repeatedly, rather than immediately assuming it's not for us, lean in and give it a chance. Last year, I kept seeing things pop up about the Druid calendar. When I opened up myself to possibility and explored my spiritual connection to nature and alignment with the Druid calendar, I found deep resonance. So much so that this year I'm planning my goals around the eight Druid seasons of the year. What this meant immediately was that I freed myself from being ready to embrace the new year on January 1st, and rather continued wintering and finishing up last year's intention until the Druid New Year began on March 21st. In fact, did you know that until 1792, March 25th was considered the start of the new year? As someone who is deeply connected to the natural world, the Druid calendar and the energies of those eight seasons resonates deeply with me. The current Druid season that just began on May 1st, Beltane, is all about growth, abundance, healing, fertility, light, love, and blooming again. It's a time to connect, give thanks, ask for continued blessings, and thrive. As the natural world around us erupts and blossoms, so shall we. So often we try to push ourselves to be ready to bloom too soon. We start our New Year's resolutions on January 1st, and more than 80% of us fail by month's end. If you've experienced this like I have, maybe you too are more personally aligned with the Druid calendar. And maybe your time to embrace change and grow in a new direction is actually now. I'm loving Llewellyn's Sabbat Essentials series. It's eight books, each honoring one of the eight Druid seasons of the year. Imbolic, Astara, Beltane, Midsummer, Lugnazda, Mabon, Sahem, and Yule. So far, each one I've read has yielded important seasonal guidance for me that resonates deeply. So, what signs keep coming up in your life? Often we keep seeing things or engaging in the same painful patterns until we learn to approach them differently. The only way around is through. What are those signposts that keep coming around in your life that you could lean into and learn more about? Number five, auditing my calendar. One thing it seems we never have enough of is time. Since time is our most precious and our most finite resource, it's of value to deeply examine how we are spending our time and if we are spending it in the areas that truly get us the greatest return on our investment. How can we bend time to work in our favor, to ensure we have enough of it to do the things that really matter? It's time to audit our calendars. To do this, I started first by paying attention to the patterns in my calendar. 
like the recurring meetings that were happening, just because they had always happened. Just because we've always done something doesn't mean we always need to continue to do it. By better understanding and dismantling the emotions that made me feel like certain things were have-tos, I've been able to free up time for what matters most. And this also means that now I have flexibility in the moment to help a friend, which is something that's really important to me. I also now have time and space to do what best supports my own health. Before, I was sometimes so overscheduled that I couldn't be available for myself or others in the moment. By learning to say no, I'm now able to say yes to the things I really want to say yes to. If you similarly struggle with saying no, I highly recommend taking a listen to episode 26, Honoring Our No, the most important word in our MS lexicon. Now, I've been able to say yes to going wine tasting spontaneously on a Monday afternoon and always have time for my critical daily routines that keep me well, like exercise, meditation, thought hygiene and stress management through daily PQ reps, cooking healthy, nourishing foods, spending spontaneous time with loved ones, and taking literal time each day to smell the roses and see what else is new in the garden. What in your calendar might benefit from an audit? What might you want to start saying no to so that you can say yes to something else? Number six, find your flock. Prioritizing time with people who are symbiotic and offer mutual benefit has brought incredible joy and built a significantly stronger inner circle of support in my life. As longtime listeners know, I'm a huge fan of geese because they exhibit such beautiful teamwork. If you want to learn more about how geese work together and why I use the honking geese throughout each episode of Misunderstood, check out episode zero, What the Flock, Who Are We and Why We Flock, and prepare to be fascinated by geese. By building stronger relationships with the right people, we become happier versions of ourselves. Connection to others, not stuff, is the root of genuine happiness. Who are your people who aren't your people? Using discernment to discover who is engaging with you in symbiotic versus parasitic ways can be quite illuminating. Who is your flock, your inner circle, your non-biological family, or your family, so to speak? Doing a relationship assessment can help us simplify our time, reduce negative emotions, and free us up to spend more time doing things we love with people we love. Strong relationships are a necessary component of happiness. They alone might not be all that we need to be happy, but we certainly can't be happy people without strong relationships. Knowing this, what might your relationship audit look like? Who might you lean into? Away from? Number seven, stress trigger assessment. By examining my biggest stress triggers, I learned a lot about myself and have found my way to better health and happiness. I used Aspire Tracker, which is a biofeedback device to help me identify things I didn't even consciously know were stressing me out. I also learned that focusing on financial stability, paying off debt, channeling more into savings, buying less, clearing things I don't really need have all led to reduced stress. 
Since chronic stress is heavily linked to negative health outcomes and often the trigger of our MS symptoms, reducing stress is a critical wellness tool that we often fail to recognize as something we actually have control over. While we largely can't control what happens in our lives, we can control how we react to each challenge. Having less stress helps us make better decisions in the moment when we face those stressful moments in our lives. Journaling about our stress triggers can be really helpful and that when we write, we can actually access things in our subconscious that we otherwise might not be able to access. What are the things, people, events, etc. that cause you the most stress? And what can you do to reduce the negative impact of these stressors in your life? Number eight, at the other end of the spectrum, doing a what's awesome assessment can also be very enlightening. As my dear friend Lindsay Para says, yes, thank you, more please. What are the things in our lives that we love the most? The people, the places, the activities. When we have clarity on what we love, we can shift into a mindset of gratitude instead of one of comparison. You may have heard the phrase compare and despair. Often when we focus on what we don't have, that deficit mindset causes our mood to dip, something that as people who live with MS who are high risk for depression and other mood disorders certainly don't need more of. Finding a regular gratitude practice that acts as a flywheel, propelling us to even greater places of gratitude and satisfaction, helps us maintain the ability to be positive, even in those inevitable moments when we're deep in the suck, as my dear friend Erin calls it. If you're curious to find a gratitude practice that's a good fit for you, check out episode four, In Giving We Receive, The Gift That Keeps on Giving, to explore a wide range of gratitude practice options. By exploring what makes us happy, we gain even more clarity on what's most important to us. We learn what values we will never compromise. We learn to live better within our means, to reduce financial stressors, and to not try to satisfy deep longings with ineffective quick fixes of food or shopping for things we really don't need. We learn to prioritize what matters most, whether that be people, time, or activities. What's most important to you that would make you say yes, thank you, more please? Number nine, and finally, exploring what is enough? This is a great question to journal to glean clarity on how to discover your unique pathway to simplifying your own life. How many shoes are enough? How many close friends are enough? How many servings of vegetables each day are enough? How much money in the savings account is enough? By journaling about my personal definition of enough, I've been able to simplify life in beautiful ways. I'm certainly not there yet, and this is a big reason why I'm braving the wilderness of Instagram with Dr. Susan and MS health coaches Roberta and Sanam to embark on a month-long intensive experience, both clearing things we no longer want or need in our lives and by ensuring that what we bring into our lives are things we truly need and will bring us joy, peace, and better health. Clutter and living a cluttered and unfocused life is a major problem for many of us. 
and it has serious health ramifications, something those of us living with MS can't afford. I hope that by listening to this episode, we all, one, understand the connection between the negative health impacts of stress and overwhelm that come with having an excess of clutter in our lives. And two, that we each strongly consider reflecting on our lives and the ways mentioned today to gain more clarity on our personal whys for living, understanding what truly brings us happiness and what's truly enough. And three, that we remember, while much of this inner reflective work is of a personal nature, clearing and honing in on what matters most can be done in community, and in fact can be even more successfully done when done in community. I welcome you to join us on Instagram the next few weeks and at the Flock meeting this Saturday, May 6th, to further discuss this episode. At the Flock meeting, we'll also discuss other episodes released this month, and spend time together celebrating recent wins and support each other with current hardships as well as our ongoing MS health goals. If you're not yet a flock member but would like to be, please join us. We are all people living with MS that meet via Zoom every month to support each other and continue our learning on the episode topics. You can learn more and join us by visiting our Patreon page. As always, I encourage all listeners to reach out with MS-related questions, comments, future podcast topics, or guest ideas via email. And lastly, remember, as we travel through life with MS, we're certain to hit some turbulence. We'll get through it, especially if we're flying together, supporting one another, and honking our encouragement. As always, I thank you for listening, and until next time, be well. (laughs) 